Good morning, Gateway. Um, yeah, we're continuing in um, Acts. Just, just before we start, I'm just going to pray and say, dear Lord, thank you so much that we are gathered here and we know that you are present and with us because you say in your word, where two or more gather in my name, I am there also. So we just say, come Holy Spirit, come and open up our hearts and our minds and our ears and our eyes so that we can see and hear from you today. Lord, we want our lives transformed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you guys hear me? Because I'm not really sure my computer is amplifying. Okay. So today we'll be uh, reading from Acts, uh, Acts 6, and I'll be looking at verses 1 to 7, which is about choosing of the seven. So it says, in those days when the number of disciples were increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Paminus, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So um, last week we saw that the church was facing prosecution and um, this prosecution was from without. So the apostles had been arrested, they'd been put in front of the Sanhedrin and they'd been sent to prison and they'd been flogged. But from this um, passage that we're looking at today, um, we read that actually the unity of the church was being threatened from within. There was murmuring, complaining, you know, about the Hebraic Jews overlooking the Grecian widows in the daily distribution of food. This issue, if it had been left unresolved, could have affected the unity of the church. So um, the, the apostle did not ignore or dismiss uh, the disgruntlement, but they sought to address it immediately. You know, clearly the apostles were not able to meet the needs of the growing church. We saw in Acts 4.35 that the believers uh, brought their proceeds from selling their possessions and they put them at the apostles' feet and the apostle distributed to everyone who was in need. You know, the apostles must have had so much on their hands. And then also coupled with the fact that there were cultural differences within the church, it's no wonder why the Grecian uh, widows were being overlooked. And I guess this is also similar to what was happening to the Israelites in Exodus uh, 18. You know, Moses was worn out from presiding over the people's disputes, while the people were also probably frustrated from having to stand around all day waiting for their disputes um, to be resolved. And then when Jethro, uh, Moses's father-in-law comes, he advises him to appoint capable men to preside over the disputes and only bring like difficult or complex cases 
uh, to Moses. And what we know is that Moses then concentrated on teaching them the decrees and the laws of God and, and showed them how they should be living and the duties that they should be performing. So uh, the apostles in this case recognized that the issues was important and it needed addressing. They also knew that they were mandated to preach and teach the word of God and to, and to devote their time to prayer. And they didn't want to neglect this ministry, but they knew that also looking after the church was important. So they tasked the congregation to choose seven men who were trustworthy and full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom and had the responsibility of serving the tables to them. And then we see in verse seven of this um, passage that we've just read, that as the disciples took over the daily service of those in need and the apostles spread the word, the number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased. So um, just by looking at that passage, I think that there are many things that we as a church can learn from this early church. And since there's so many things, I've chosen three things that we're going to look at and look and see how we as a church can benefit. So the first thing is that they were a compassionate, diverse and inclusive church. You know, in the times of the early church and even in the Old Testament, we know that widows were the most vulnerable group in society. So unless widows had male children, they had no property rights or wealth. And actually they relied um, on the kindness of those around them uh, in their community or in their church. So in this case, um, also in this early church, the Grecian Jews would probably have been a minority in the Jerusalem church. Um, you know, the Grecian Jews were from the diaspora, probably spoke mostly Greek, and uh, they had a culture that was similar to the Greeks than it was similar to the Hebraic Jews. So with all these differences, I mean, it, we can see why it could have led um, to the Grecian Jews uh, being overlooked. Yet when the apostles and the church heard the complaints, they took it seriously. You know, they, they did not react as I would imagine the world that we live in would react today. You know, they did not say things like, well, this is how things are done around here. You need to assimilate and do what happens around here. Or they, you know, they didn't say things like, well, maybe if you spoke Hebrew, you know, we'd be able to look after your needs better. But they took them seriously. And it wasn't just the apostles who took it seriously. You know, it says that the church got together and chose trustworthy, spirit-filled Greek men, it happened to be Greek men because all these names actually are Greek sounding names to ensure that everybody in the church was being taken care of. So that's the first thing. Then the second thing is that they were actually an, an active engaged church. You know, they were tasked to choose men who were known and of good report, uh, trustworthy and full of the Holy Spirit. It was the congregation that was tasked with choosing the seven. This implies that the seven were actively involved in the church. Their lives must have been visible. They must have been accessible. They, might, they must have built relationships within the church. And even I was looking and thinking, actually, even the congregation would have had to have been actively involved in the church 
for them to then say, actually, I can vouch for these men. These men are trustworthy and they're full of the Holy Spirit. So actually this church, this early church was a church that was quite active and engaged. And the third thing that we learn about this um, early church is that they were a church of disciples on mission. In this passage, Luke refers to the congregation as disciples. A disciple is a learner or an apprentice, a follower of Jesus. A disciple models or mirrors Christ in their daily living. We see that the number of disciples was rapidly increasing in this church. The church understood that they were disciples who were on a mission to make more disciples and to care for those around them. They understood that it was necessary for all to be involved in ministry in different roles. That way, the mission of the church was able to increase and the number of disciples was also able to increase. So those are the three things. I mean, there's so many things in that passage about the early church, but those are the three things that um, I want us to focus on. But what we're gonna do is we're going to start to ask ourselves questions. So I've come up with three questions that we need to ask ourselves as individuals and as a church. And that is the way that I, I would like us to respond. So the first one is, am I embracing the diversity that is in this church? You know, even if we just have a look on the Zoom call here, we are such a diverse people. And um, we are all gathered here because of Jesus. I'm sure if it wasn't because of Jesus, most of us, our paths would never ever cross. But because of Jesus, we find ourselves here as a diverse as a diverse church. So I'll use myself as an example. Most of my friendships inside and outside of the church are with people who are similar to me. So they are similar to me in, in my ethnicity, probably our age group as well, my interest, my life experience. And I know that this is quite self-serving, but I those are the kind of relationships that I tend towards because those are the relationships that are easier for me, right? Um, however, if we are to live lives with greater fullness, then we need to seek and nurture relationships with people who are different from us. You know, God has entrusted us with different qualities and attributes that are reflected in our different cultures and experiences. When we engage with people of different ages, different cultures, different economic backgrounds, social statuses, ethnicities, life experiences, we begin to learn about God's diverse facets. You know, diversity brings a breadth and a depth of experience that can never be realized when we only do life with people who are similar to us. So our challenge as a church is to leave our comfort zones and to nurture relationships with people who are older than us, uh, maybe people who are younger than us, people from different economic backgrounds, different nationalities, people with totally different interests from us, you know, social statuses, life experience, different, you know, people we would normally not associate with, I guess. And as we do this, as we step out of our comfort zones and do this, we'll begin to understand and experience God 
from different perspectives. Um, and then uh, the second, oh, I think I'm on the third question. <laughs> so finally, uh, the question that we need um, to be asking ourselves, oh, sorry, no, I'm forgetting, <laughs> sorry. So the re um, still on that second question, the reason the church was able to do this was because they were actively engaged in, sorry, I've lost my thought, I'll come back. So that was the first question. So the second question that we should be asking ourselves is, am I actively involved in my church or community? You see, the disciples had to choose seven men from the congregation. You know, I asked myself this question as well. And I said, okay, if I was asked to choose seven people in Gateway, who I know to be trustworthy, will I be able to choose people? Because I would have to choose from having known them, having had a relationship with them. And I wasn't even sure if I could um, properly answer that question. So the reason why the church was able to choose people was because they were actively engaged in the church. So the call for us as Gateway is to be visible, accessible, and to do life together. You see, they said they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us, it reveals truth, it enlightens us, and it gives us an eternal perspective and helps us to glorify God. So what we do then ceases to be about us, um, but it becomes about him. And this will have an impact on our relationships. There will be a mutual submission to one another in, in reverence for Christ. And as we do life together, spirit-filled, we grow in character, love, and faithfulness together. Finally, now this is finally. Uh, am I a disciple on mission using my gifts or am I just a believer? And I think this is really important. This has really been something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, that am I a disciple on mission using my gifts or am I just a believer who's just there and really doing nothing much? We see from the early church that they were taking care of the needs in their community and they were also making disciples. The apostles could not do everything and the congregation had to step up and make sure that the apostles could continue with preaching the word and devoting time to prayer. And this is also a call for us as a church to lead in serving the church and the community needs around us and to even reach to those that are outside of the church. It is not a responsibility just for a few individuals, but it is a call to all of us. You know, we are a body of many parts and each one of us is called to use his or her gifts for the kingdom and for the glory of God. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 31 um, says, now you are a body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And, and in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. 
are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts and healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpretate, but eagerly desire uh, the greater gifts. And I think, you know, just even from um, this morning's prayer meeting, this is the things that we're talking about, that people need to be bringing their gifts to the church to edify the church. So are you coming with a song or a word? Are you encouraging? Are you walking alongside those that are going through difficult times? Um, do you see a need in the body that needs to be fulfilled? And are you doing something towards fulfilling it? Are we praying for one another? You know, everyone has a part to play in keeping the body healthy. This does not just end with the body, but also with those around us and those in our spheres of influence. Um, so God has entrusted us all with gifts and we need to use them so that the body functions as God intended. And also um, uh, Phil in the morning prayer also brought um, this verse from 1 Corinthians 14 verse 26. And it says, what then shall we say brothers when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation, all these must be done for the strengthening of the church. So everyone has a part to play. And even whether you have a, an official role within the church or you do something, you all have a role. And even I was looking at the names of those seven that were chosen. We only hear about Stephen and Philip earlier, but even those other five, we never hear about them, but they still serve, they still had purpose within the church. So even if nobody ever gets to know you, but God, the one who matters the most knows what you're doing, but we all need to step up and in uh, being part of the community and making sure we spread the gospel. So just to end, um, it's to say like being a disciple is a daily pursuit. It's a daily thing. You know, like even in the passage, we hear that in the daily distribution of food. So it was a daily serving that was going on. And also when we stay in community, it helps us stay on mission. So that is just my encouragement today that we kind of sort of step back and reflect and see what we can be doing um, to make sure that the gospel continues to go forward. Thank you.